name. Well, praise the Lord. Let's give that to the Lord. God is so good. I love what I feel here this morning. He is a good God. Amen. He is a good God. I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, soul, and strength, Brother Donnie. What a word this morning. He really challenged us this morning, and he was so cute doing it. I can say that. God is so good. I'm so thankful after that. I wanted to cry. Um, it's one of those things where you can say, where does Sister Taylor go? Did she go out to take care of something? You say, you've done well, one. You have surpassed the, the your mentor. Um, but she's right. Our relationship has just evolved, and we knew um, very early that Taylor was called to do wonderful and great things and uh, pastor phil just compliments her so well and what a work that they are doing here <laughs> he does i say that because he's a mighty man of god if you weren't here this morning when he stepped into this pulpit my lord i just felt the authority of god on him when he was casting a vision for this week i do not say that to, to um, belittle his work with the Lord by any means. I say that because we, you know, when you know someone like Taylor, we knew that, you know, she's going to do wonderful things. And it has been amazing to watch how God paired her with the exact right person where both of them could push together in ministry. And uh, we were happy. Well, we weren't real happy at first. We weren't real sure about Pastor Phil because he was coming to take Taylor away. Uh, but the more we've got to know him and see their ministry, we know exactly why God did what he did and how he did it. Um, I want to give honor to my leadership for excusing us and allowing us to be here. Um, it is such an honor and a privilege, and I give honor to the leadership here. And we love the Locke family and the Billingsley family. I'm so thankful that Brother and Sister Billingsley are here to back me up this morning. They are family. And it doesn't get much better than that. Um, God is such a good God. Um, if we could, if you do not mind, I'd like to just pray one more time that God would just cover the word, that God would help us to lean into the word today. Lord, we thank you. God, we know you're going to do great and mighty things. Lord, you are a God that can do all things. Lord, we lean into your word. I want to be, Lord, not just a hearer of the word this morning, but a doer of the word, God. God, help us, Lord, to, to do what we need to do, our part in this service, so that we can see what you want to happen, happen. And we thank you, and we give you honor, and we give you praise in the wonderful name of Jesus. You may be seated. God is so good. Are we ready for the word today? The Lord is moving in a special way. I can tell you through the weekend, and we were just doing a fun marriage seminar, right? Just having a good time. I feel like we had a good time. I had a blast. So uh, just doing all kinds of crazy stuff like sorting Skittles with straws and all kinds of fun things like that. And uh, even through that process, Friday night, yesterday morning, you can just feel this wonderful presence of God. And I'm telling you, apostolic praise, you guys 
are right there. God is ready to push you to a new level. God is ready to do new things and to expand this church like you have never seen before. I feel that in the spirit. I know Pastor Phil feels that. You could feel it this morning when he was just uh, declaring what God was going to do through this weekend. And I believe it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh, we can come up with some pretty funny excuses. So I'm a teacher. Uh, I teach at our private school and um, at our community college there in Ocala. And I've taught for, sweet mercy, how many years now, babe? 25 years? Close to that. We'll go with that. And uh, as a teacher, uh, Sister Allie and Sister Taylor can back me up on this. You hear some pretty good excuses some pretty funny excuses. So we have the classic, the dog ate my homework, right? Uh, here's one. I saw a fire truck as I was coming to work and went home just to make sure it wasn't my house that was on fire. So I couldn't make it, or that's why I'm late. Uh, my dad was punishing my younger brother this morning, and he was spanking him with my shoes, so I couldn't come barefooted. <laughs> so there you go. And uh, this is one I actually got recently. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't make it to class. My rabbit was having surgery. So we get all kinds of excuses. And so today I want to preach about excuses. Is that okay? So today we're going to preach about excuses. And I say we because I want you to push with me. Uh, we have been making excuses since the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 through 12 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, Here it comes. Here's where it started. And ladies, we have been being blamed ever since then. It says, and the man said, the woman whom you gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So there it is. There's the very first excuse, and we haven't stopped giving excuses uh, throughout all of this time. Studies show that an average American makes an average six excuses a day. So that totals about 2,000 190 excuses per year. We're getting really good at making excuses. I want to lose weight. Lord knows I do want to lose weight. Woo! But that crumble cookie yesterday <laughs> during our session was just too much. It was just calling my name. I want to make better grades, Sister Brandy. But I just, I just don't know how or I just don't have the time to study. I want to try to be nicer at work. But, you know, Johnny's in my uh, cubicle next to me. And he just gets on my nerves so bad, right? Or I want to help more. I want to be used more. But I'm such an introvert. It doesn't work that way for me. Oh, Lord. I want to learn how to play the piano, but my mind, my mind just doesn't work that way. I would never be able uh, to do that. And, you know, even if you're older, I'm going to toot my own horn here, Sister Taylor. Um, I made a bucket list uh, about a year ago because I was coming up on 50. I'll be 50 this year. And uh, I said, there's a few things I'll, 
I want to do before I get to that. And so one of the things that I put on my list is I wanted to learn how to play the drums. And so you think, well, aren't you too old to learn how to play the drums? I don't think so. So I learned, and then I played my first service about a month ago in our chapel service at the school. So woo! So sometimes you think your mind's not going to work that way, but, but it does. So we have, as a society, become really good at making excuses. In fact, you can even Google good excuses, and Google will come up with a good excuse for you to give to your teacher or, for your or to your boss for missing work or being late. So what is an excuse? So a couple of different definitions that we can go to. One says a reason or explanation put forward to defend or justify a fault or offense. Another definition, a reason put forward to conceal the real reason for an action, a pretext. And then another, a poor or inadequate example of. So what this means to me, that as a society, as a people, we have become really, really good at defending concealing and justifying our actions, our faults, and our inadequacies. I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Sister Brandy, we're all guilty of it. Anybody here ever made an excuse? Yep. We're all guilty of it, Sister Brandy. So what's really the big deal? We all do those little excuses, evidently about six of them a day. So can it really hurt us? Can making excuses really hurt us? So let's see what science says about making excuses. Science says that if you make excuses, you may be doomed to failure. If you keep making excuses, you just may be doomed to failure. Two researchers who were published in the Journal of Psychology had this to say. We've all experienced disappointment. You don't get the promotion you wanted. You failed a test, an important relationship crumbles. Can anybody identify with some of that? When this happens, you have two choices for how you're going to respond. You can ask yourself, what could I have done differently? Or you can tell yourself, it wasn't my fault. There was nothing I could do about it. There's nothing I could have done. If you choose the second option, the science says you're doomed. They studied college students' bias towards taking responsibility for themselves or making fraudulent excuses, made-up excuses. There's nothing I could have done kind of excuses. They found that 72% of their student subjects admitted making fraudulent excuses. That's hardly a surprise. Any of us that teach or are around students, we know they love to give excuses. Um, but far more interesting was that um, the incredible correlation that they found between fake excuses and a lower GPA. Basically, what they found out was that the more students made up fake excuses, the lower and lower their GPA went. So science says excuses are not good for us. But what does God say about excuses? Because that's really who I want to please, right? Doesn't matter necessarily about anybody else, but what does God think about excuses and us giving excuses? So then said he unto him, I'm going to read in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. 
Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Sister Taylor did a fabulous job the last couple of days, and those that helped her with it, organizing our food. I'm telling you, that food Friday night was wonderful. My husband loved it. They had Alfredo. It's like his favorite. And then yesterday morning, we had Chick-fil-A. It was wonderful. And she made and laid out that presentation and then said, come and be a part, right? And so this is what's happening here. Someone's making up this great feast. They're getting ready for a party. And the master says, go out and get as many as you can. Get these people and start telling them, I want them to come. Go invite these people. And so uh, they all, with one consent, though, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, ten oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Now, before I give you the response of the master, let's talk about these excuses for just a minute. All right? So you're telling me you went out and bought a piece of property before looking at it? That doesn't make a lot of sense, right? How many of you would just buy a piece of property without looking at it? Couple maybe. <laughs> All right. But most of us, we're going to look at what we're buying first, right? And what about the 10 oxen back then? Five yoke, that's 10. That's a lot of money for them back then. So they didn't, they didn't want to go and proof those oxen before Sounds to me like somebody was just doing a really good job of making up excuses. And that last one, oh, I, I love that one. I can't come. I got married. <laughs> right? Let me just interject here if there's any young people here. You do not need to marry a spouse that is not willing to work for the kingdom of God. If you getting married, go ahead. That's worth clapping over. Amen. If if getting married is going to inhibit you, if it's going to cause you not to work, that is not the way that we do it. That's not the way that we do it. When you're married, that means you are now a team that you can both lean in together and do the work of God. She should not have been and probably wasn't inhibiting him from going. It was just another excuse. So how did the master react to that? Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Okay, go, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. What does God think about excuses? Excuses make God angry. It makes him angry. And I'm telling you, he will find someone willing to not give excuses. God was angry, or the master, God's giving this parable, and he's liking it to him, and he's saying the master was angry. And if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to pick this up, and all you're going to do is give me excuses, I will find someone who is willing not to give those excuses. 
in Matthew 25, uh, for verses 14 through 26, 26, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them another five talents. And we know how this goes. The one with two went and then got another two talents. But the one with only one was scared, right? He buried his talent. And so we, we find out that finally the master comes home to see what has been made from the talents that they were given. And the one presents and said, you gave me five, but look what I've done. I've doubled that. And the one that had been given two, here, what did you do? I, I doubled that. And then when it got to the one that had only been given one, he said, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there uh, thou hast, that is thine. And his Lord looked at him. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, you knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Parable of the talents tells us that the servant that gave excuses, the Lord said back to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. When I was praying one day, the Lord dropped the word, excuses. I remember I was in the prayer room and I was praying. I was actually praying about something um, that was happening at the school and I just was really just seeking the Lord for a word for the school and a direction and the Lord dropped the word excuses in my heart and I thought okay and so I mean I teach junior high so I hear excuses every day and so I was like, all right, and I kept praying about it. And after that prayer meeting, I left and got a little more work done. And when I came back to prayer later and was praying again, the Lord kind of expanded on that for me and posed a question to me. And he said, what is missing from the Book of Acts church? And at the time... I was rereading. We were our, our church was taking some time that month to reread the book of Acts. And um, as uh, I was reading it and, and in this prayer meeting, the Lord said, what is missing from the book of Acts? And then, just like God does, he just dropped the answer right there for me. He didn't make me deliberate and think about it. And as I continue to pray and that question's going over in my mind, what's missing from the book of Acts? And it's incredible been reading about these men and women of God and all the great works that they're doing. At our church, our vision is to model the Book of Acts church. That's what we want to do. We want to model exactly what was going on in the Book of Acts. And any given time, if pastor gets up or Brother Donnie gets up and they'll say, what's the vision of Souls Harbor? You're going to hear a resounding to model the Book of Acts church. And so um, I, I heard that question in my heart and I was dwelling on it. What's missing from the Book of Acts? It's incredible. I don't know. And the Lord said, excuses are missing. There are, no, there are no excuses in the book of Acts. God does not do excuses. He does not need excuses. What God needs is a people that are willing to do whatever it takes to get out there and win this world for him. Amen? 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that God wants to see a difference in this county? He wants to fill this church to overflowing. And to do that, he does not need a people that are willing to give excuses. He needs a people that are willing to say, whatever it is, God, that I need to do, I will do it. If I need to be here Saturday morning passing out meals so that we can connect to some souls, that's what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter that I have to get up early. It doesn't matter that I have to get a sitter. Whatever it takes, God, I'll be there. He wants the people that are willing to sacrifice their Saturday night and come and pray for this community of people that are willing to push back the plate some this week and say, God, whatever it takes, souls must be saved. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship the Lord for a minute. God, give us that desire. I don't want to be full of excuses. I want to be full of you, God, full of your spirit. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Yasata yala masita kayala bahai. Rika yala masita yala bahai. God is preparing a great work for this church. Yasata yala masika yala bahai. Kika yala lahai. With God, all things are possible. Yasata yala masita kayala bahai. God, you are able. Woo! God does not need excuses. He needs a people that are doing whatever do or willing to do whatever it takes. But not only do we need to not give excuses, but we need to go one step further. We need to go one step further. We need to take excuses away from everyone else. We need to go one step further. Not only should we not be full of excuses and making excuses, excuses, but we should be going one step further and doing what it takes to take other people's excuses away. What does that mean? What do you mean, Brandy? My husband, well, they argue. Luke would say he came up with this, but it's because he's always heard his dad say this. But Donnie, Donnie always has the saying, he says, if one person can do it, it will take away everyone else's excuse. If one person can do it, nobody can uh, go to college and live a life for the Lord. Sister Taylor said, I saw one person doing it, so I know that's possible. And I saw other people doing it, so I knew it was possible. Uh, it's, it's impossible to run that segment of a relay that fast. But once one person meets that goal or does that, then you know, okay, it can be done. So if one person can do it, it will take away everyone else's excuse. In regards to the church, we need to do just like the men and women in the book of Acts did it. If we will behave in the way that they behaved, then we will take away others' excuses. Now, these are just a few of some of our favorite excuses. And hopefully what I'm going to be able to do through the word of God and through what was happening in the book of Acts is take those excuses away. One of the ones is, I'm sorry, Sister Brandy, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not smart enough to do extra Bible studies. I'm not smart enough uh, to teach that Sunday school class. But Peter and John took that one away from us. In the word of God, in Acts chapter 4, it says, Now when they saw the boldness 
the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It's very clear. They did not have a college degree. They didn't need a college degree. They had God on their side. Jesus Christ was with them and had given them the boldness to preach the word of God. You do not need a college degree to teach a Bible study. Get in a Bible study that Pastor Phil is teaching. Watch him. Model him. Get in the word of God and study. There's nothing greater than this book. This book is what you need to be able to teach a Bible study. We stand on this word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They took our excuse away. It's too risky. It's just too risky. I don't feel like I can step out and do something like that. I don't know if I can make that move, Brandy, because that's just a little bit too risky. The Bible says in Philippians, be careful for nothing, but in everything, be in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Do you think that Peter didn't think it was a little risky to step outside of that boat? When that storm was raging the way that it was raging. And you guys that were here for the marriage seminar, you know I do not like the ocean, right? You heard the kayak story. But he was willing to step out of the boat and just step on to a piece of faith. Just a small mustard seed piece of faith. He was willing to step out of that boat. It was risky, but he didn't. The three Hebrew boys, was it not risky to refuse to bow? Were they not taking a risk? They have taken our excuses away. It's too risky. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. God knows that it can be done, that there is a people that are willing to not bow. Are you willing to not bow? It's too risky at work to really say what I feel about God. It's a little too risky for me to say that I condemn that kind of lifestyle. God, help us. Help us to not bow. Help us to not bow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was risky for Daniel, but God sawing through the lion's den. Amen. There are countless missionaries on fields right now that are barely making it. But with God's help and God's provision, they are taking a chance. They are taking a risk. And they are winning people to God daily. We have to be willing to take that risk. If you're young and in this place, you may say, well, I'm not, I'm not big enough. I'm not old enough yet to do that. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. Josiah began to make a difference and became king at only eight years old. David became a giant slayer as a teenager. You're not too young to do a work for God. You are never too young to do a work for God. Sister Danae, it's Bishop's daughter, his oldest daughter, and when they were trying to get a... um, alone for the sanctuary that we are currently in uh bishop went to the bank and they told him there's no way there's no way you will ever fill up a church this size it you're you're just kind of stepping out of the boundaries here um wanting something this large and wanting to build something this large and because they didn't believe they didn't know god and what god had but because they couldn't see it 
they didn't want to give the loan. And at 13 years old, um, I believe that's how old she was, Danae came to her dad and said, Dad, I'm going to fast until that bank calls you and gives us that loan. And, of course, Bishop, a great man of faith, but she's 13, and he's looking at his daughter, and she, he says, Danae, I don't know when they'll give that loan or if they will. She said, I'm just telling you what I feel, Dad. God wants me to fast. And I believe it was the next day or three days later when she was fasting, Bishop picked up the phone, and they were on the other end and saying, come back into the bank. We want to give you that loan. God can do it. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Your age does not matter. Your age does not matter. And that's being too young or too old. God wants to do a work through us. Um, brother, our little David Campatella at nine years old, brother Joey Campatella, if you've ever heard of brother Joey Campatella and sister Jessica, their oldest, um, his name is David. And David Campatella at nine years old told his parents and then followed through and said, I'm not getting on any kind of electronics. I'm not playing my little switch. I'm not doing any of my games. I'm not doing anything for a month because God needs to do something here in our church. At nine years old, you are never too young. You are never too old to do a work for God. David, Campatella, Danae, they took our excuses away. They have taken our excuses away. Young person, they have taken your excuses away. I can't do it by myself. You don't understand. I don't have a support team like everybody else in this church probably has. Well, there's probably a few of us that could stand up and say that's not necessarily the case. One of them that could stand up is my husband, Brother Donnie Curry. At 15 years old, God brought him back to the truth. He prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was praying and speaking in tongues even at public school during his uh, final year exams. Uh, bless his heart, he couldn't speak in English when God really baptized him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he prayed through. But he had to make a decision. His parents said, if you're going to live that lifestyle, you need to get out of this house. And at 15 years old, that's what he did. And God has used him mightily since then. And he has made a way and he has provided every step of the way. So that is no longer an excuse. I can't do it by myself. Uh, I'm just a little too different. I'm kind of an odd duck, so I don't really know where I fit in. Do you think that John the Baptist wasn't a little bit different when we read in the word? Yes, but he was one of the greatest prophets. He did a mighty work for the Lord. He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ, but he was different than everybody else. God is calling a people that is different. He is calling a people that are peculiar in Jesus' name. If you've ever heard of Brother Madison Richardson, he's a member of our church. He is 90% deaf in one ear and 100% deaf in the other ear. And he has never once complained or even thought that is just how he is. He's just a great man of faith. And he has never even thought that the fact that him not hearing could ever slow him down or impede him in any way from doing what God wants to do. And I'm telling you, just this past week, he preaches all the time, but this, this past week, he preached a sermon that I, I would put him up against the top tier of those that preach. He knows the word of God. He is a soul winner like no other, but he only hears 90% in, or 10% in one ear. It doesn't matter. 
matter how different you are, God can use you. Brother Madison, Brother John the Baptist, you took our excuses away. It doesn't matter that I'm just a little bit different. I'm scared. You don't understand. I'm scared. I can't do that. I'm just a little bit afraid. I'm scared. The Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Do you think that Mary, this young teenage girl that now finds out she's carrying a child, she knew exactly what that was going to do to her reputation. Do you think she wasn't scared? Do you think she wasn't afraid? Do you think it wasn't a lot easier for her at probably 16 even younger possibly, some scholars say, to say, I can't do that. That's asking a little much. People are going to shame me. They're not going to want to even look me in the eye anymore. You're ruining the life that I thought I had set up. I was going to marry this wonderful man. I thought, I'm too scared. I can't do that. There's too much at stake. But Mary did not do that. She said, whatever, God, whatever your will is. Yes, I'm a little afraid. But God, if this is your will, I will do it. Mary took away our excuse for being scared. I can't because of what happened. You don't know what I'm leaving in my past. It's a little too difficult for me to feel like I can do that because of what I'm leaving behind. David could have said the same thing. He failed miserably. But he was a man after God's own heart. And he got back up and he got rededicated and reconsecrated in the Lord. And God continued to use him mightily. What about Saul who became Paul? He was a murderer, but God was able to take him and change him. And he's written most of our New Testament that we read and we glean from. He was a great man of God that won many, many souls for the Lord. I'm challenging us today. We need to get rid of the excuses. And and we need to do the work that we know God has called us to do in order to take excuses away from others. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I probably think this is the one I dislike the most. And that is, I just don't feel like doing it. I just don't feel like doing it. I'm pretty sure that Jesus just didn't feel that fleshly part of him that he was dwelling in, did not feel like carrying that cross the distance that he did or taking those stripes the way that he did. But he knew that that blood needed to pour so it would cover a lost girl, a sinner, Brandy Curry, he knew that I needed that blood, and he did not say, I'm sorry, I just don't feel like doing it. But he said, I need to reconcile the people with me. I need to make sure there's a way that they can find their way back to me. It is time to lay our excuses behind. Let's everybody stand. I'm coming to a close. The truth is, when we really want something, we find a way to make it happen. We really want that vacation. We find a way to put back a little nest egg here and there so that we can go on that vacation. If we really want to go and do something, we find a way to carve that time out. What is it that you want and need here today? 
Is it a different way of life? You're tired of that old way. You can't do that anymore. You got to change. I got to do something different. I'm never going to make it go in the direction that I'm going. Is it that you need a new direction today, a new life? Is it salvation for yourself? Is it salvation for a family member, a loved one? Is that what you need? Is it a healing? God is still in the miracle working business. It's not just stories. God has done it in my life. God can do it. God is still healing people today. He is still providing. Are you willing, though, to stop the excuses this morning? Stop giving excuses. Just as the men in the book of Acts had no excuses when it came to getting the plan of salvation out into the world, we need to stop giving excuses. We need to also stop allowing people to be able to give excuses by living our life in a way that says, I'm all in, Brother Donnie. I'm not just contributing anymore. I'm committed. I'm committed to the work of God. I'm committed to apostolic praise. I'm committed to that man of God. And whatever it takes, we are going to do a work here. We are going to save people. We're going to pull them out of hell. We're going to give them Bible studies. What is it that God is dealing with you today? I want us to raise our hands, and I want, if you would, and you feel comfortable to come to the front, and we're going to lay down excuses today, and we're going to pick up a commitment, a commitment like we've never had before. In Jesus' name, God, no more excuses. No more excuses. How can I give an excuse? Paul was beaten. He was beaten multiple times, multiple times and left as dead and just got back up, shook himself off and said, the gospel must go out. And he continued to preach. No more excuses, God, whatever it takes. Let's pray, church. There are people that have already come that need a change in their life. They need a new direction. Focus in. Focus in right now. Nothing else matters but what God wants to do right now, right here. Right now, right here, God. God, fill with the Holy Ghost. God, if you did it for me, you can do it from, for anybody. I was lost. I was a wretched sinner, but God, you came. You changed me. You picked me up. You saved me. You saved my family. God, if you did it for me, you can do it for everybody in this building. Hallelujah. Let's let the Holy Ghost flow here right now. God's meeting needs in this place right now. In the name of Jesus, whatever you've come looking for today, you can go home with it. God, I need peace today. Lord, I need hope today. I need some joy today. 
I'm sick in my body and I need a healing today. I need this sin gone. I need this addiction gone. I'm tired of the alcohol. I'm tired of the drugs. I'm tired of the pornography. I'm tired of depression. Come on, this is the place and this is the time for a new change, for a new, a new life and a new day. That's the Holy Ghost right there in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, that's it. Let's reach in. The miraculous is here. The power of God is here. Anything is possible this morning.
Hallelujah. God's filling people with the Holy Ghost right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. This is commitment time. This is commitment time. I'm not just contributing here right now. I'm laying it all on the line. Come on, this is a day where God's going to set you free. This is a day where God's going to change the way you talk. God's going to change the way you think. God's going to change and take those feelings away. He's going to take that hurt away. In the name of Jesus, there's nothing impossible with my God. There's nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, the miraculous is here. We're not just waiting till Saturday night for God to do a miracle. God's doing it right now. God's doing it right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we release the miraculous in this place. We release faith in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is doing something great? He's stirring us, stirring our hearts, our hunger. We just lay down our excuses. Anything is possible with God. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
The only thing that stands in the way of that verse is an excuse. Because he says all things. I believe God is calling us to deeper commitments and consecrations. We say a lot how we're kind of maybe waiting on God, but that's not the case. God's waiting on us. And if we, we, we do what Sister Brandy says, we put down our excuses, we're going to begin to see some things. We're already seeing things happening. We're already seeing God doing a work, and we got to go forward in that. We can't go back to the way things have been. we got to keep doing something different because if we've always done what we've always done, we'll always get what we always got, right? I'm hungry for something more. I want to step out in faith and see God do what we've always been talking about doing. Amen. And what he needs people to do is to, to, to step out in faith. As the Bible says, the harvest are ripe and ready to be taken. The harvest is already there. He just needs what? To send laborers. Laborers. So many laborers can have an excuse, but God says, hey, if somebody would go out into the field... There's a harvest waiting, and I believe we're going to begin to see a harvest when we put down our excuses and say, God, I'm going to do something great for you, amen, and we're going to see that come to pass. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. We know that I don't know where everybody lives. I don't know how everybody's address, but as Sister Brandy was saying that how people take away people's excuses, uh, I know I know that the Rudds, brother and sister Rudd and Rebecca, I know that they live way out by LaBelle. And yet they come here, they come here early before prayer, for prayer in the morning. So the Rudds taking away everybody's excuse. Because they probably live one of the furthest out. They live like four cities away. And they come here early to pray. And so we all, those of us that live closer to the church, we have no excuse. Amen. But God's going to do something great if you're willing to step out in faith and believe. Amen. We're going to see people filled with the Holy Ghost even more. People being baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because God can do it. He needs a vessel, a channel to use, to flow through. And we are those people, aren't we? Aren't we the apostolic people filled with the Holy Ghost? We're going to let God use us in a mighty way. Amen. Amen. Let's begin to consecrate ourselves this week. The more we prepare for this week, the greater we're going to see things this weekend. Amen. And this is just the start of what God is going to do in us and through us to reach our community. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. We have the bread. If you want some bread in the back, amen. Let's go and be a light and be a witness of what God can do. In Jesus' name.